This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Pistown, USA, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. So we were invited today to attend the Bernie speech, Bernie Sanders speech at George Washington University this afternoon on democratic socialism. I got the impression that this was a speech that was very important to the campaign. It was essentially a speech to define Bernie Sanders' political philosophy, and he's sort of done this before. He's kind of put it in these terms in interviews and in town halls when he's asked what democratic socialism means to him. But I don't think he's uh, ever taken the time to give this very uh, wide scope and history of how he came to this belief and what it means to him in the scope of history. I think he did something at the similar stage of the campaign in 2016. I think that speech was at Georgetown. Did he? But... The, it, it it certainly seems like a long time ago. I don't remember anything. <laughs> I definitely agree that uh, I think the campaign thought it was an important speech and uh, something they want to set the tone, basically uh, going forward. They wanted to use today uh, to try to set the tone going forward. So I think Bernie was hitting on a lot of old themes that he usually brings up but was basically trying to weave them all together in a unified thing. I mean, you remember how last year or last time uh, he basically had the same speech every time, which is, and there was a lot of that. Yeah. Which is pretty common. We're going to spend today's show talking uh, about this speech. Yeah. For that reason. It's, 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 it was a big one. Main, a lot of, a lot of takeaways here. This, this wasn't a speech. This wasn't a speech based on, you know, this wasn't a theory, a socialism theory speech. No, uh, this isn't a speech that was going to impress anybody who's a, you know, a Marxist Leninist or anything. Absolutely not. Um, and or, or, you or could an see anarchist. some, yeah, you could see some uh, hardline socialists upset, sort of, at uh, the conflation that's been used in Bernie's speech. Um, I, we're, we're, we don't really get too heated about that sort of stuff here, but. Uh, this was a, a speech that Bernie alluded to FDR a lot in it, but it was also a speech that FDR could have given with if you take all those allusions out. This was Bernie modeling himself after FDR. I mean, FDR and the New Deal and that past crisis moment that the U.S. was in, Bernie built the whole speech off of that as, hey, this is our guidebook on how we resisted fascism and even brought up the the uh the nazi rally in 1939 at madison square garden yeah i thought he did that really well and you're right that it was not uh it it, it, not in any way it it, it's a it was it would a controversial it was controversial on the left in terms of conflating socialism to the new deal but i think he did uh, a very good job of articulating how he wants to go forward and say that FDR 
uh, fell short in that he wanted to get an economic bill of rights passed. Right. And that's and, the and, main ask in what in Bernie's speech today. Exactly. And I do think that <clears throat> strategically it 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 might not be uh, or rather that it might be maybe the best thing he could do. I mean, when you're trying to push left as far as you can, you got to use uh whatever you can to sort of speak to your audience and a lot of uh, uh to a lot of american people i think fdr is a familiar face and uh social democracy and new deal liberalism are not all that different at the end of the day and yeah. and we can talk about it later or whatever but i i do think it would give uh, space for the left to push as as far to the left as possible in in our very limited uh, United States framework. Uh, Bernie opened the speech by talking about how we are in the midst of a defining moment. How this is a crisis, hearkening back to the 1920s, 1930s, and he said that we are up against the forces of oligarchy and authoritarianism. Um, and he, he said words like Nazism, as we said, bringing up the Nazi rally, wasn't afraid to draw parallels between now and then. Yeah, between Trump and fascism. Um, he talked about how uh, in opposition to those forces is a rising movement of working people and young people. And then he gave a shout out to lots of actions we've seen over the last few years from teachers uh, going on strike to uh, workers at uh, Disney, Amazon, uh, fast food restaurants calling for a higher minimum wage, and Walmart, um, people taking on the fossil fuel industry, uh, women fighting for reproductive rights, uh, just people confronting systemic racism in our criminal justice system, uh, people standing with immigrants against Trump's uh, anti-immigration agenda uh the and, and then he goes into deep uh then he goes into real detail about the dark side of our booming economy yeah and i think he did a really good job of illustrating how just fucking morbid capitalism is because he highlighted the vast uh, difference in life expectancy for if you're rich and if you're poor yeah that was that was a uh, a poignant part of his speech. Yeah, that it's not just uh, uh, just some goddamn debate club contest where, sir, uh, you know, making points or whatever, that, that, that this stuff really matters. And uh, it is a matter of life or death. Yeah. Going back to uh, FDR, he quoted FDR a lot, including a quote that probably a lot of us have sitting on the couch watching Bernie talk have thought of has popped in our head and have wanted him to say explicitly. And I think he's flirted with saying, but he explicitly did the FDR quote where he's where FDR is talking about all the bankers and everybody who's who hates him and how he welcomes their hatred. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I mean, surely he's done that before. I mean, maybe he has, maybe, maybe he hasn't, but it was, it was great to hear it. And it definitely, it was, it was, it was the biggest applause line of the speech. It, it was it was the biggest applause line. It was the first standing O and he got another standing O when he finally mentioned uh democratic socialism. He yeah. he spent 
a good uh, half of the speech, I would say, building up to it, did not say socialism. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're, I don't know. Yeah, he went through tension. the whole history. Yeah. He went through all this, uh, went through FDR, went through the building of the New Deal and said that essentially the New Deal is what helped defeat extremism in the 1930s. And that is what he calls democratic socialism. Right. And that's where he circled back to uh, the Economic Bill of Rights that FDR had uh, proposed in 1944, but eventually did not do. I did think that some of it, and again, I know I know that Bernie's audience is not you or me. It's yeah. probably not the listeners of this podcast. Uh, no offense. He, he's going out to uh, millions and millions of people, but... I did think it maybe fell a little flat or sort of flattened the issues ideologically speaking uh, when he brought up corporate socialism. Yeah, I don't I don't like that term because that's not really what's going on. (laughs) I I, I see it for rhetorical purposes to uh, draw parallels to government spending, but. That's not that's not what socialism is. And it, it was a little confusing at times. Uh, when he was mentioning examples of Republicans calling Democrats socialists, like calling Truman a socialist and calling Kennedy a socialist, uh, because I think that Bernie would maybe want to draw a distinction between himself and those types of, uh, of Democrats, maybe a little more, especially someone like Truman, who he was in power when... Uh, Taft-Hartley was signed into law and and a lot of the McCarthyite stuff uh, started whipping up. But again, maybe I'm thinking too in terms of right. I, of, I, of the of us. parochial Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a, an effective argument because it shows how bankrupt the socialism attack is. True. Just it, how it, often it's been used throughout history against programs that are uh, extraordinarily popular and still in effect. I guess I would have liked to maybe see Bernie uh, do a quip about, "Come on, you're calling Truman a socialist. You're calling JFK uh, the the you know the rich playboy guy. You're calling him a socialist." Like he brought up the examples, but I feel like he could have maybe done a little bit better driving home how uh, how shitty that line is and how bankrupt it is. Bernie also did try to draw a connection between democratic socialism and the history of the Democratic Party and how they are linked, how FDR building the New Deal was democratic socialism. FDR was a Democrat. FDR wanted to implement a second Bill of Rights and and Bernie called it, quote, the unfinished business of the Democratic Party. Uh, Of course, FDR died. That's why it was unfinished. Uh, and then this this is this is the big ask in Bernie's speech is that he will be proposing and he has already in piecemeal and will continue to put proposals forward that comprise a second bill of rights, an economic bill of rights, uh, which include a right to health care, a right to an education quality, whatever whatever type of education you want, a right to a living wage job, right to affordable housing should just be right to housing. <laughs> we'll <laughs> yeah. keep it at that. That'll be the next fight after we get of a, a rid of a right to affordable health care. We finally have shown that 
that affordable term is bullshit and it's just a right to health care. Yeah. We'll eventually get there with housing. But Bernie did say a right to affordable housing, uh, a secure retirement, uh, a right to live in a clean environment. I think that was the um, one thing that wasn't uh, in FDR's second Bill of Rights. No, um, absolutely there's not. A, there was not a concern about a clean environment. Um, and I, I think retirement, uh, yeah, that was I, I, that might have been on there too. I One aspect of the speech I really liked, and uh, I'm not sure if it hit as hard with you because you are were used to hearing uh, basically that message over and over again or something when you worked for Tom Hartman. But yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like how Bernie stresses that liberty and freedom is a meaningless concept if you don't have economic freedom and if you don't have material security because America again if if he's trying to speak to american masses i think these uh, amorphous concepts of freedom and trying to to hone down a discussion on that like well what does a guy like marco rubio mean when he's talking about freedom let's break it down and i think that is probably a very effective line of attack and i i i liked seeing that in the speech yeah i, I oh sorry go ahead did you want to follow up on that or were you going to change the subject i was going to pivot but uh if you i liked how he drew his a connection also between democratic socialism his political philosophy and martin luther king uh and a lot of the quotes he used from Martin Luther King were when Martin Luther King was directly talking about socialism and advocating <laughs> yes, for indeed. socialism. Indeed. Just a reminder that MLK was a socialist, guys. Yes. Uh, Bernie, uh, also, as he usually does, I think he may have needed to stress this more in this in this speech, but again, he brought up how there is the need for millions of people to get involved. Uh, he, you know, he's got his slogan not me, us, but in this context, and I'm sure he's going to do other speeches talking about the New Deal and stuff going forward, but I think he should also, it, w it, it would bolster his argument if he talks about some of the social movements in the 30s that were running parallel to the New Deal, and like talking about the bonus army and some of the strikes. And he did mention labor labor struggles at the time sure sure but, yeah but i think mentioning those stories and not necessarily going too deep into the weeds but maybe just at least mentioning certain strikes or certain marches in the 30s uh just sort of really drives it home and and could generate interest and 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 get people starting to wikipedia things and and maybe getting involved in uh stuff on the community level that is needed to really see the this project into completion there are a lot of ways in which bernie sanders is better than elizabeth warren he's shown he's proven it on foreign policy uh especially in just the last two years with what he's done in congress in regard to the uh war in yemen um Warren has come out and said she's a capitalist to her bones. Bernie doesn't say shit like that. This speech, looking just at this speech, is this a speech you could have seen Elizabeth Warren giving? It, it, sort of. And I say that because I think that 
someone who identifies as a capitalist can lay claim to New Deal stuff too. And yeah. th- and that's I mean nobody's gonna call FDR a socialist really. Right. And I think Elizabeth Warren might be able to make that point and say, I agree with Bernie about FDR being good, but I also am a capitalist. Yeah, I saw and I believe in markets or whatever. And FDR believed in markets and blah 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 blah. I saw Isaac Edward DeVore tried to hit, run a hit piece on Bernie's speech before he did his speech today and tried to... Did you did you read that piece? I, I did not read that no. piece. Well, it starts... I, I saw it was obviously a hit piece and that guy, he's a one-trick pony and literally writes the same thing over and over again about Bernie being bad. The premise of this article was he just went to other candidates and told them the title of Bernie's speech today to gauge their reaction yeah and he opens his piece with elizabeth warren and warren he claims that warren kind of chuckled a little bit but when asked to follow up warren's like i'll just have to wait to hear what he says i'm curious to hear what he says in the speech yeah i think some of the other uh candidates were a bit more off off putting by the words democratic socialism in the title and we're like oh that's just bernie being bernie you know but we need we don't need that stuff but uh, i think warren was uh open to it here yeah, I and she should be. I mean, but even though she, I mean, I'm sure there's going to come a time on the debate sta- on the debate stage when she's going to try to distinguish herself from Bernie Sanders by claiming that she doesn't believe in democratic socialism, that she's a capitalist. But I guess my question is, if Bernie is guiding light according to the speech is fdr who right. was a capitalist yes bernie i mean fdr saved capitalism let's, he did. let's, let's face uh, it yes uh what are the distinguishing characteristics at least when it comes to economic political philosophy i mean that that is a good question i think that bernie would perhaps need to rely a little more strongly on internationalism and stress that uh, Elizabeth Warren sees the United States as a bit of an exceptionalist, uh, unique force for good, and that Bernie Sanders is more skeptical of that. And I think that that could really help him right now. And the mood, yeah. mood of the country is definitely not looking to get involved in prolonged military conflicts and is very skeptical of stuff like that. And I think that internationalism is a is a key element of socialist ideology. And perhaps Bernie can uh, say that you know I I do think by the way FDR came up short in certain regards, and uh, I believe in more of of an internationalist outlook. Yeah, yeah. I guess a di- another different thing M- maybe is on using different terms than I just did, but talking about those concepts. Yeah. Stressing foreign policy issues could be really useful for the campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, Barack Obama won the primary in large part because he voted against the Iraq war. Uh, Bernie can use his efforts to end the war in Yemen and just, he needs to broaden it. He needs to say, we're going to end the wars. He's a little reluctant to go that far. Yeah, he died. And I don't, he's a bit. But that would be, I mean, that's why Mike Lavelle is in there. Yeah, and he's a bit, he's a squish on on Afghanistan, too. Excuse me, Bernie is. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, but he he does need to, 
he's close. He's so close to being like, look, we just need to get the fuck out of Afghanistan. Yeah. But by the way, when he was uh, talking about FDR and the New Deal, I came very close to screaming, pack the court. <laughs> At Bernie. Yeah, true. That would have been a really awesome addition to his speech. Or if he just kind of hinted at it, like, we need to be willing to do this if necessary. Yeah. Or, or I, or I could have yelled, threaten to pack the court like FDR. Like, that, that would have been succinct. Boom. Yelled it. He would have had the... He, maybe he would have at least uh, just say, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, quickly going back to Warren, she uh, has been rightly criticized for being squishy on Medicare for all, even though she's endorsed the Medicare for all uh, legislation. She yeah, does she kind is, of like squishy on it. play with the idea of gradual phase ins and other ways uh, to get there, which I think is another attempt by her to sort of rhetorically set herself apart uh, from Sanders. Yeah. And on those grounds, yes, there is a difference uh, between the two and how they how they, I guess, talk about the issues and what sort of compromises they're willing to accept. Although, then again, if Bernie Sanders is president and the only thing he can get through Congress is lowering the age of Medicare to 55 or something like that, obviously he's going to sign it. Yeah, I think I think he would, and he would probably do so very reluctantly with a signing statement yeah. uh, that starts let me be clear basically but i could see warren <laughs> just compromising on that from the get-go and just being like all right this is a good start and just settling on that as a piece of policy victory whereas you can see bernie is more interested in as he ends his speech yeah. talking about how we need a political revolution that's the it, yeah. part of uh the agenda where bernie distinguishes himself a lot from warren and this is that's where warren you i don't think could have given this part of that at least that part of the speech when she talks about big social upheaval because i don't think she fundamentally believes in that sort of stuff and it's tough uh envisioning envisioning her excuse me uh, uh, having the same belief that bernie does that healthcare is a fundamental human right she i mean maybe she does for me it's not quite there yeah, but I do think, uh, uh, as our Twitter account tweeted yesterday, that Warren and Bernie people should basically focus all critical energy right now on Joe Biden. Yeah, he's the front runner, and we need to join together and destroy Joe Biden and fucking dunk on him until his bones uh, fall into the sea. And then Bernie and Warren people can duke it out about who's better. Because let's be honest, we, we should all be each other's uh, one-two here. And yeah. we need to double-team Joe Biden. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I don't think the campaigns are really competing against each other. There has been recent polling showing Warren uh, is sort of surging in the polls. But let's remember, polls are fairly meaningless right now. There's a lot that's going to happen. And by every other metric, Bernie is a powerhouse in this campaign, is the most viable challenger to Donald Trump from the entire Democratic field. Uh, the person who can take down Joe Biden in the Democratic Party best is Bernie. If you look at Biden's second choice supporters, who their second choice is, it's Bernie. So uh, also keep your eye on the fact down the road that if we do get to the moment where Bernie does get the nomination, 
he's probably going to pick Elizabeth Warren as his running mate. Yeah, I would hope so. So it'd be weird if we all start calling Elizabeth Warren the second coming of Hillary Clinton, some neoliberal shill. And then have to be like, well, why is Bernie picking some neoliberal second coming of Hillary Clinton shill? <laughs> it's going to be awkward. All right. Have we, uh, have we talked enough about this? I think we have hit all the uh, bullet points we laid out for ourselves. Have well, we not? Was, oh, no, there is one more thing. I did notice I, I hadn't gauged a lot of the reaction to the speech. Uh, we obviously just didn't get home too long ago, and I, uh, it is fun checking to see what shitheads have to say on Twitter. Marco Rubio. I haven't seen any of the reaction yet. Well, I saw Marco Rubio tweet out earlier that like democratic socialism was a scam and blah blah blah. Did and, he mention Venezuela? Uh, I did not watch his video. I assume he probably did. In which case, he obviously framed the issue incorrectly because he is backing uh, an authoritarian far right coup and crippling sanctions. But I digress. So I saw Rubio uh, was filling his dipe. Hickenlooper, too, was filling his dipe, but his reply was so bad because he was like, 95% of Colorado has health care coverage, and we didn't get there through socialism, which, first of all, why are you not deeply ashamed of the 5%? Like, that's not, that's yeah. one in 20 people don't have health insurance. And B, coverage is like kind of a fucking meaningless statistic. Like, how many medical bankruptcies do you have? How many, you know, what's the average cost of healthcare? Because it, it, coverage itself doesn't do shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, Looper should just be booed everywhere he goes. I hope he will be. But anyway, it's it's uh, it's brain genius stuff like that that has Hickenlooper pulling at zero percent. So hopefully he stays there, and uh, hopefully he quits politics forever. All right. Before we go today, we do have some calls on the listener rant line, 202-684-6108, including an update from Turd Snadwich, who is on the ground at the AEI conference, and here he is with uh, his exit interview. Yo, gentlemen, Turd Snadwich here, uh, back on the main streets of D.C. from behind enemy lines at the AEI, quote-unquote, Bridging the Divide conference in Denver. Uh, thanks for playing my last uh, rant. Just wanted to check back in. Uh, yeah, I, I really appreciated all of your guys' comments and just wanted to say, uh, though I am an individual in recovery, I very much appreciate and support people who want to indulge in things like edibles, but I did not get to do that. However, the one kindred spirit that I found there, uh, I did indeed joke with him that I felt like we were in that scene from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas where they dropped a whole shitload of acid and uh, went to the police chief's conference. I, I was definitely getting the fear. Anyhow, uh, got to sit through the keynote before dinner of the outgoing president of AEI, Arthur Brooks. Uh, man, that was something. Um, it got to the point where he talked about how his mentor, who was also a conservative economist, a.k.a. Uh, oppressive fascist, told him once that public policy only matters in 5% of people's lives. The most important part and the other 95% is love. 
Um, so that's when I started recording um, the rest of this stupid speech and uh, sent you guys that little treat because uh, I had to hear that shit. Um, <sighs> I really just hope that somebody else had to as well. All right, guys. Uh, one more time. Keep up the good work and be well. Turd Snadwich, Troop, thank you for the call. Uh, we did listen to a little bit of the outgoing AEI president's speech that uh, Turd sent us, and it was bad, folks. Yeah, it was really bad. He was like the became the 20 millionth conservative to go on stage and complain about young people being snowflakes. Yeah, and not only that, like many conservative uh, uh, charlatans, he started talking about like how like loneliness is the cause of all your problems. It leads to depression. <laughs> Young men are lonely. They're lonely. 18 to 22, like they should be not lonely. They should be in college, but they're lonely. And it's what are you getting at? It sounds pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. I'm not sure if Turd Snadwich wanted us to play some on the air, but we will not subject you all, our listeners, to it. Uh, it, it, it just sounded, it was such, uh, like, snake oil. It reminded me of the, the I don't know, it, it, it just had, like, people, and I think people in 100 years are going to look back on that kind of stuff the way that we look back on turn of the century fucking whack jobs in the in the yellow journalist well, in the in the yellow newspaper rags of of, of uh, William so. Randolph Hearst. There you go. I hope so. All right, one last call. Hey guys, so I just want to preface this with um, I'm not advocating for anything or saying anyone should do anything, but uh, <laughs> love I when calls start that way. Week, um, and I think the conventional wisdom. Uh, says that eventually people will go up to billionaires and say, give all your money to the people or face the guillotine. I think that seems to be a, a pretty common thought. But I think I may have an alternative. So keep in mind that $1 million printed out in $100 bills weighs 22 pounds. Okay? And so... Maybe a more effective strategy to, to get the money from the ultra-rich would be to say people can keep as much of their money as they want as long as they can have their money in $100 bills placed on top of them. So for those who haven't done the math, uh, $10 million is $220,000. billion is 22,000 pounds. So think about how much weight Jeff Bezos would have to hold up. Well, anyway, um, I think that might be a more effective strategy for uh, coercing people to give up their fortunes if it gets a little too large. Uh, and anyway, you know, just a thought. I think it's a fantastic idea. I think we would have to adjust it to inflation because... If we did that, the the, the ultra-rich would be pushing for deflation like never before. And so we would have to say, okay, well, if if the value of the dollar falls, or, or, or sorry, if the value of the dollar increases, then you're just going to have to deal with more weight. Then we're going to have to put like little weights yeah. on top of, of the dollar. I think just <laughs> forcing people to carry, they have to convert all of their... All of their 
maybe not wealth, but I guess income or whatever's in their accounts into dollars, $100 bills, and they have to carry it on their person at all times. Or they just have to keep it in their house, in which case they they have to hire a lot of, of guards, I guess, which sucks. That's bad. Don't get me wrong. But No, they have to carry it. And you have they, they, yeah. you, you, people, you, since rich people would have this burden, they'd come up with ways to get around it. They'd have like these exoskeleton suits to carry a bunch of weight. So they'd be like on these sort of mech warrior things filled with cash it, walking around. You but can, you know who the billionaires were. You can only keep a million dollars in all banks, not just like you, you can't just keep a million per bank. Across all banks, you can only keep a million dollars. And then you have to keep it, the rest of it, at your home. But also... People can steal it. Like that's legal. It's legal, it's legal for to people steal. to steal. You gotta protect it. Unless it's at the bank. You can't steal it if it's at the bank. But if it's at someone's house and it's money, I feel like you this can is take a, it. This is custom set GTA rules. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is the show, District Sentinel Radio for today. Subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel, so you can get all of our content that we put out Monday through Thursday. You also can support our little news co-op here in Washington, D.C., patreon.com slash district sentinel. You also get your own haiku written for you, read on air. Now's a good time to subscribe. We've got the garbage can coming up at the end of the week. Thanks to our sponsor, the Congressional Dish podcast, hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. We'll be back tomorrow. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.